Welcome to Chapters. My name's Jim Derrick, and today in studio, I am thrilled to welcome my new friend, Craig Ripley. Welcome, Craig. Thank you, Jim. Pleasure to be here. It's good to meet you. Craig has a really interesting story that is, I guess I would say, built around two wheels. Yes, definitely. Right? And Craig maintains a YouTube channel, which is wildly popular, as well as a website called Living Off the Slab. And today we are going to talk to Craig about Craig Ripley and about the motorcycle life and what drew Craig to it, what is exciting about the motorcycle life, a little bit about his website and the YouTube channel and whatever else you want to talk about, Craig. All right. Craig, you uh, live locally right here in Walpole? Yeah, well, I am over in Norfolk. I'm sorry, Norfolk. A couple of towns over. That's right, right, yeah. And how long have you been motorcycling? Oh, since uh, 2000 and, well, it's a longer story than that. Sure. Take Uh, the long version. I started back when I was a kid. Yeah. I say kid. I was uh, 19 years old and uh, had a bunch of friends who had motorcycles and so... I decided to get one, and mm-hmm. so rode for a few years back then, had an accident. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, As kids do. Yes. Uh, then got out of it for quite a while, but then at 46 years old, I decided that I wanted to return to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I got a bike and again started traveling. My goals were to uh, ride across the country. Essentially, I, I was an avid bicyclist for 20, 25 years. Really? Right, yeah. And so one of my goals was to ride my bike across the country. Mm-hmm. But it started to become evident at 46 that uh, I wasn't going to be able to do that. Yeah, you had something <laughs> called work, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right? So it was, yeah. I couldn't take the three months off of work to do that. But on a motorcycle, I could do it in three weeks. Oh, yeah. So uh, that's kind of where... Getting back into motorcycling uh, came from. Uh, I've just I love being on two wheels, whether it's a bicycle or whether it's a motorcycle. Yeah, so. interesting. I had no idea that you were a cyclist, and that that makes all the sense in the world. You know, for guys like me, motorcycles have always been intimidating, but romantic as hell. Mm-hmm. It's like easy rider. Yeah, I, I want to feel the wind in my hair. I want to just be that free where I can go anywhere I want. Is it that romantic? Uh, yes, it, it is. I mean, at least it can be, um, you know, especially when you're out there on the open road mm-hmm. and there's nobody else around. You're riding through some absolutely breathtaking scenery. Um, it is definitely that romantic and, you know, that all encompassing, I guess. It must be a different sensory experience, to say the least visually and every other way than if you're riding in a car. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we uh, motorcyclists like to refer to people in cars as cagers, right? Because (laughs) you're essentially, that's what essentially what you're doing, right? Right. You're you're riding around in this big cage, Yeah. right? And on a motorcycle, the cage is gone, right? Um, There's there's a book called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, Mm -hmm. right? It was Mm -hmm. uh, written by a guy named Persig. And... uh, it's about a motorcycle ride that he and his son took across mm-hmm. the country, but it's really about life and, you know, coming to find yourself and those kinds of things. Um, and in it, he describes that the car, not as a cage, but as a frame, that when you're driving, you see the frame of the windshield and everything. Yes. And again, those things get removed. Right. When you're on the motorcycle. Sure. Right. So you are out there. You're by yourself. The landscape and everything surrounds you. 
Um, so you're exposed to the elements. So it's it's much much different experience than it is you know driving in a car. Yeah, you know, and it's something that I like. I said I fantasized about it all the time. I would watch, I'd drive by. I remember being a little kid and driving past a pack of motorcycles and just staring at these guys and thinking, what? Where are these guys? Who who are these people? You know, they just they look so much different than my parents because my parents weren't risk takers. So here are these people that I perceive to be almost evil can evil like out there and that fascination with the ability to put your fear and your anxiety aside for the open road and oftentimes you'd see you know a couple and I know that you and your wife Kathy have have ridden uh, in the past and and uh, you see them communicating differently it just was one of those things that I'd, I'd stare at and wonder um, but I knew it was widely popular so for me it's kind of that tension between would I ever take the risk? Would I ever trust myself to get on two wheels? You know, that tension between that and 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 saying, no, I'm just, I'll just stay in the cage, you know. So uh, you did, in fact, ride across country. How many times have you ridden across oh, country? Oh, several times now. Um, 2011 was the first time uh, that I did it. Uh, we did that in three weeks, uh, heading out to Prescott, Arizona, and then... Up through, we stopped at Sturgis at the the rally up there on the way home, and uh, then kind of made our way back here. But since then, I've been uh, out to California a couple of times, uh, you know, riding around. I've been up to Alaska and back. Oh. Um, so been all over the place. Have you been to Sedona, Arizona on your bike? Uh, yes. Oh, yes, my gosh. I just got back. Yeah, it's an amazing place. What a place, Incredible. right? And that Bryce Canyon and, yeah. and all those wonderful yeah. places. Now, living off the slab.com, um, I know you said you started around 2011. Yes. But this website was really dedicated, obviously, to the motorcycle lifestyle. And I'm going to quote Craig here because I love this. What is it about motorcycle travel is the question, first question posed on the website. As motorcyclists, we know that covering ground on two wheels is liberating and magical. The sensations are greater, the smells more intense, the landscape is so close it seems to reach out and embrace you in its majesty and wonder. And I love this part, Craig. Yes, it can be uncomfortable, difficult, and even dangerous, but that just adds to the adventure helping to broaden your horizons and expand your personal limitations. And that is Craig Ripley from his website, livingofftheslab.com. I love that statement because it captures everything I was just trying to say that I imagine was the case with motorcycles. And there's a real brotherhood and sisterhood among bikers, isn't there? Uh, yes, definitely. I mean, it, it's a small group of people who really do it, right? Um, there's... Nine million registered motorcycles in this company. Really, right? So, uh, yeah, estimates are that maybe twelve million households have motorcycles in them. Uh huh. So it's really, you know, a small group of people who really get out there and do it. And the ones who actually travel are even smaller. Yeah. So uh, there's a camaraderie. You know, what do you do in a blinding rainstorm? Uh, These are things. <laughs> I mean, I've never been able to figure riding. that out. You just keep going. <laughs> Yeah, well, no. Um, yeah, I. it depends upon, you know, how you want to ride, of course. I, I know people who will pull over and stop and wait yeah. for rainstorms to go by. Yeah. But uh, for me, as long as I can see, as long as I feel safe enough, I just keep going. Right? Mm -hmm. You have good gear, and again, it's part of the motorcycle experience, mm -hmm. right? It's getting out there and being exposed to those elements. Uh, so it's part of the adventure, the challenge. What's the multiplier and danger in rain, say? 
Uh, well, the, the the biggest danger is that you aren't going to be seen by. Okay. Other, oh, really? Okay. So it's yeah, still I mean, other people. Yeah. I, okay. As far as uh, having traction and so yeah, forth. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You have like eighty to ninety percent of your traction still, right? And you, so just be smart. Slow down a little bit. You know, don't yeah. go so fast, and you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. So us chickens, we I I, I imagine all sorts of danger with with the elements, and, and it's kind of a fallacy. Other people are the problem for you, though, right? Uh, Other vehicles. I mean, yes, that's a, it's a danger out there. Other people, for sure. But I, I've done a couple of videos and things on this. So I, I am one of those people who um, thinks that it is a waste of time to blame other people. You have to take responsibility for yourself. So, yes, it is true that there are a lot of crazy people out mm-hmm. there, that there are people who are on their cell phones and all those kinds of things. But so what? You have to deal with it, right? Yeah. So... You have to so take the responsibility to look out for those people yeah. and to make sure that you have the safety margins and so forth that you need to keep yourself safe. Sure. I know we've got a lot of my motorcycle enthusiasts that are probably on this podcast, and I, I'm, they're going to ask, what are you riding right now? Uh, right now, I have a 2023 Triumph Tiger 1200 GT Explorer. That's a mouthful, I know. The official name is it a a big cruising bike? Like, no, it is not. No, it's, okay. it's an adventure bike. Uh, what they call an adventure bike. It's um, nowadays an adventure motorcycle is kind of like an all all do it all motorcycle. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of a I guess a Swiss Army knife of motorcycles. Right. It's something that you can do on road riding. You can do a little bit of off road riding with as well. Um, you have a more upright riding position. You know, your feet aren't out in front of you like uh, you are on a cruiser and so forth. And it's also like 300 pounds lighter than most cruisers, right? So uh, it's, you know, much easier to handle and, uh, you know, more responsive. You know, fast. powered proper, fast. Yeah, fast, you just yeah, yeah. <laughs> fast. That's awesome. That is awesome. I want to remind folks we are speaking with Craig Ripley. Craig is a motorcycle enthusiast, and more than that, has a website called LivingOffTheSlab.com and a YouTube cham- channel by the same name, which has um, really, for me, it's an extraordinary amount of views. I think you're up to almost thirty thousand subscribers, which Craig yes. reminded me in YouTube world isn't as much as we think, but. To me, that's a hell of a lot of people. Right. Uh, uh, well, it is when you think about it. But uh, I have a niece who works in uh, the movie industry. She works for Warner Brothers. And uh, we, we've been talking about this. And I tell her, oh, yeah, I've got 27,000 subscribers, whatever she says. <laughs> oh, you're a micro-influencer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, out of the mouths like, of babes. Yeah. I love that stuff, right? A mic- Well, you know what? That sounds cool, though. That's yeah, like a George exactly. Carlin I'll, youth- I'll, euphemism. You I'll know? take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great euphemism. Um, Craig, tell us about your YouTube channel. I've, I've watched several videos, and even as a non-motorcycle and uh, a non-motorcycle uh, find the videos to be really fun and enjoyable to watch. So talk to us a little bit about what the intent is behind your channel. Yeah, well, I it, it's, it surrounds motorcycling, right? I mean, that's the central theme of it. But uh, I don't know. You know, motorcycling for me is so much more than just riding the motorcycle or the bike itself. I mean, to be honest with you, the bike to me isn't that important. It's a tool, right, that you use to go out there and travel and see wonderful things. So... That's primarily what the channel is about. It's about encouraging people to get out there and live their best life. Um, go out there and do those things that you want to do, especially as we're getting old. Right, Time is running out for us. So um, 
So that's what it's about. I throw in some philosophy surrounds that kind of thinking. We were talking earlier before the show started about uh, the video I just did on retiring yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and squeezing the juice out of life, you know, those kinds of things. So I throw in some stuff like that. You have such a com- comfortable way. Uh, with you, it, it's like it's almost like you're looking through the screen at a friend, um, Craig. For those you obviously can't see us right now, he has a killer beard, um, and uh, I look like Santa Claus. Yeah, it's just a killer beard, and but a very gentle way and a very gentle approach. It wasn't a lecture. It's almost like you're talking. You're, you're listening to a friend talk. But I thought your philosophy on retirement. I'm 63. I think you're 63. 64. 64. Okay, so you beat me. But both of us agreed that the sense of urgency certainly has increased for me as I did the math that you did, which is effectively 10 to 14 to 15 years of really good years left. Um, Maybe a life expectancy, if we're lucky, of 25 more years, if we're really lucky. But uh, those last, you know, 10 or so can be tough. And that's not the time to to decide to ride a motorcycle or do, do, do something. So and you describe having friends that had, uh, like I have, that, that say, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that someday. And that someday never seems to get there. And it's kind of sad, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, and f- unfortunately, that's what most of us in society do, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I I get people who respond to my videos and stuff. And some of them say, oh, well, you know, I have to work and all this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. it's true. We all, of course. We, we all have to go through those things in life. Mm-hmm. But for me... At 46, when I returned to motorcycling, um, I just made the decision that it was time to stop chasing my dreams and to start living them because for the time period that I had spent, you know, getting up to that 46 years, I kept saying to myself, all right, if I just do this and I just do this and I just do this, well, then I can finally get to the point where I can do those things that I really want to Mm -hmm. do. And I started looking around and finally saying to myself, you know, you're never getting there, right? You always think that there's something else to do. It's time to stop chasing that dream and just start living the dream. So that led to the motorcycling and then led to small trips that I started taking. And then, of course, bigger ones and bigger ones. I think you nailed it. And and it's that mentality we tend to get in, particularly in this country. We get this busy mind. I, I can spit. Let me speak for myself. I get this busy mind and that busy mind constantly tells me that there's something more important to do the next day on my to do list than anything else. And it never ends. It's an it's an endless pit. I tell my wife this all the time. I love her dearly. But she is an engineer and she just her inbox is always packed. That ain't never changing. Right. You know, so um, and and you're really clear in 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 your video, which just came out, I think it was four days ago, that you're not talking about just throwing your hands up and saying, spend all your money, get reckless, you know, go go insane. Yeah, no, absolutely not. But but living the dream can be small things, too. It can be just taking that walk with your wife. Yeah, absolutely. Stop in the day on a Wednesday because it's nice out. Yeah, I I had a a discussion about this uh, with my I, I have a little group that's called the Travelers Club, I call. People, you know, join this group and they talk with me on Zoom once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was talking with them um, about this topic on our last meeting, in fact, just a couple of days ago. And um, one of the things I was saying is that, you know, it's not necessarily about packing more and more stuff into your life and, and checking all of these things off your list. I mean, that's 
I guess can be part of it, right? You have these things you want to do, right? So you need to go out and do those. But it's also just about mindset and attitude, right? Like, it's okay, right, if I get up one day and I just feel like sitting down and reading a good book, right? That That is spending my time productively and I'm enjoying it. And to right? some of us, that can feel really indulgent. Yeah. You know? It can. If, if you have that mindset like you were just talking about where, mm-hmm. oh, God, I got to do all these things, I got to do all these things. I think that, you know, you got to get to the point where you understand that a little downtime is okay, right? And good. You know, yes, and good for you. Recreation, recreation, right? Absolutely. Uh, We need to regenerate ourselves. But here's someone sitting in front of me that has said that he's been across the country several times in his life. At 64, that means that you have done that during your prime income earning years at some point. Yeah, so I, at some point you just put things down and went. Well, uh, yes. I mean, what I started doing um, when I decided to make sure that I could do these things, you know, while I was still young, mm-hmm. um, I started uh, saving up my vacation time, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Right? I would do a year, right, and where I would take you know, only a, maybe a week vacation during that year. And then I would bank all my other vacation time. And luckily I worked for a company that would allow me to, you know, save all of that up. And so then the next year I would go and say, look, I want to take a three week trip. I, I have the vacation time. Right. And again, I worked for a company that was nice enough to say, yep, it's your vacation time. You can do that. Mm-hmm. Now, honest with you, I was prepared to say, well, if you <laughs> Don't want me to do that then. I knew that was coming. Looking, <laughs> looking at your eyes, I can see that. Then I'll see you later. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, but that's a part of the mindset. Exactly. You know, it's like okay, what's important here? Yeah. I, I can go out and find another job, right? But I'm not going to be able to, you know, do this, you know, for that much longer. At least. Yeah. 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 I know when my uh, my dad's dad, my grandfather. Uh, I remember him retiring. I'm sure you remember similar. The, the circumstance was the company took care of you. First of all, our life expectancy was less. Secondly, there was no such thing as really active retirement. I mean, active retirement was, yeah. well, they went to Florida and actually played some golf. I mean, but yeah. it was just this notion that uh, retirement was sitting on your rear end. I think that's still, that's what Do probably you? most people. That's, yeah. that's kind of where I was headed. You think that's still? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because the more people I meet, well, maybe it's the people I'm surrounding myself with. I think that's deliberate, too, on my part. I, I just can't do it. I, I It's just my parents live in Florida full time. Um, you're right. I, there are a lot of people down there roughly my age that are that are doing this. And I look around and I say, I just can't do it. I, I feel my posture changing. And I don't mean just physically, but that happens, too. I feel like it's the Neanderthals. You know, it's that picture of the how we evolved, uh, you know, more and more upright. And then it goes the opposite way <laughs> whenever I'm down there because I feel like I'm getting hunched over both mentally and physically. But I love I love the attitude, the mindset. And it really as you say, it's something that can be created if you're just deliberate and intentional about it. And um, knowing your wife now, uh, Kathy Ripley Green, who is just wonderful, and if folks want to hear her, you will hear her in last week's uh, episode. Kathy is a is a medium. Kathy has just a refreshing air about her of adventure. Yeah, I mean, her adventure is different than my adventure. Well, clearly, right. Um, she loves to be with people and she loves to help people. Um, and I do too, but mine is in a slightly different way. Um, so mine is 
getting people to realize, I guess, their potentials and get out there and to, to live a, a good life. Yeah. You know, that you don't have to wait and sit around. Tell me about the club on your website. You have a, do you have two clubs or one? Uh, I have one, but I have three different membership levels. Um, you can go out and sign up for it from $2, $5 to $10 a month, and you mm-hmm. get different things, of course, as you sign up for one of those things. But I have a, uh, a forum that people can ans- ask questions of me. I'll answer whatever questions that they want. They can chat with each other. Um, I also have uh, Zoom meetings that we do once a month. And so uh, that way, they again, they can ask questions of me, whatever they want to to learn. All around the country, around the world? Uh, it's mostly in this country yeah, right yeah. now. And, um, but we have people from West Coast, East Coast, Canada, those kinds of things. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a blast. And, uh, and that's the, I guess, the best thing that I've gotten out of having this YouTube channel is all the people that I've gotten to meet from it. I have some very good friends now that um, I met simply from having this YouTube channel. They reached out to me and we you know, started a friendship online. Essentially, now I've ridden with them. You know, those kinds of things. I've uh, There was a fantastic group of people. When I went to Alaska, they were following me and knew that I was going to be in Spokane, Washington for a couple of days. And so, I, gosh, there's about eight wow. of them that came, eight or ten of them that came. And we just had a great dinner and just really, you know, had a wonderful time together. So... All of those kinds of things, those people that I've been able to meet, that's uh, the best thing about having this YouTube channel. So. Gosh, Craig, you know, as I'm listening to you, I'm realizing you, you literally created a community for your passion. Yeah. Uh, and this was so intentional. Uh, and it goes right back to what we were talking about. Um, this is something that you took as a passion, a hobby, clearly, and a passion and enthusiasm and created a whole community around it. And it becomes very sustaining for you because we were talking off the air that Craig's wife, Kathy Ripley Green, no longer rides. And I was sensing a sense of loss around that. For sure. But as you said, you do enjoy solo biking. Yeah. Uh, and clearly you've got a lot of people around you now. So that's really cool. So when, how many subscribers would you say you have overall? Uh, to, to the website? Yeah. Including free memberships are up to yeah. around 500 now. Yeah. Um, paid memberships is about 10th. 10% of that. That's that's un- incredible. And you have get-togethers, you just said, they get together in various areas of the country. Yeah, what a blast. Do you Are you sponsored by anybody? I saw some gear on your... No, I'm not sponsored by anybody. I have a... I'm, I'm an affiliate, you know, with, oh, right. with certain uh, right. certain manufacturers of gear that I like. They've done a good job for me. So, you know, if people buy through my links, mm-hmm. I, we get a little bit of, of money from that. I mean... You, you do this for the passion. You know, I'm, I'm not definitely not getting rich about this, just like your podcast. Well, yeah, it's, sure, was, but, was it your niece that said you're a micro-influencer? Yeah, I'm a micro-influencer, <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, it does cost money to do all this kind of, course, of stuff, right? Yeah. So, you know, you, you try to make it so that at least it pays for itself, which is about where I am. What's, so uh, that's good. It just oh, I think sustain it's, itself that way. I think it's fantastic, <laughs> yeah. And when you're on the road, do you get recognized? Do you have people oh, say, yeah, hey, wait absolutely. a minute, there's, yeah. there's that guy from YouTube. I do, yep. Uh, you know, especially when we... When I went to Alaska, that happened a lot. A lot of people who were following me who were going to Alaska themselves, and so they stopped and said hello. Um, just, uh, oh, I guess, a few weeks ago, we went up to uh, Lake George oh, for yeah. a few days, myself and a couple other guys. And as we walked into a restaurant, uh, some guy says, hey, 
Craig Ripley. I mean, I'm, I'm hard to uh, <laughs> You were really to hard miss. to miss. Yeah, yeah, very hard to miss. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we had a little chat. It was very nice to, to get that. So We'll take that, niece. You know, that's no ah, micro-influencing. Right. That's, that's making a difference. That's making a difference. I want to remind folks, we are talking with Craig Ripley. Craig has a website, livingofftheslab.com, and a YouTube channel by the same name. Highly encourage you to subscribe to both if you're a motorcycle enthusiast. Or, as I was saying to Craig, I've never been on a motorcycle, but the videos are really fun to watch. Uh, they're not necessarily long, but the, the, you really get a sense of adventure. And I can live vicariously through someone who has made this a lifelong passion. And more than that, brings a philosophy of adventure to what they're doing. And a philosophy goes along with it. And to me, that's there's the magic right there. There's a magic sauce because anybody can get on a motorcycle and ride around and shoot some video, but it's the personality behind it that that's key. Well, thank you. I find it thoroughly entertaining. Craig, what would you tell the average person like me is somebody out there in their 50s and they say, you know what, I want to give this a shot. I want to get on a bike. Is it something that is approachable at our age as a newbie? Well, absolutely. And in, in fact, um, most of the new riders nowadays are either returning riders like me, you know, from when we did it in our youth, or people who are now getting to the point where they don't have that job, don't their kids aren't at home and so forth. Yeah. And so now they're buying the motorcycle and getting it on for the first time. I will say, though, that that means that the people who are getting killed on motorcycles are also the age is rising. So if you're going to do this, and I again encourage you to do it, make sure that you do it correctly. Um, go out there and get trained and don't think that you can just jump on a motorcycle and ride it around like you do in a car. It is absolutely not the same thing. How does somebody get on the road the first time? You've been trained, you've been to some schooling and whatnot. So I guess I'm answering my own question. You're probably on the road in some lots right yeah i mean here in massachusetts the way it works is there's a, a class that you need to take to get licensed i mean you don't technically have to do it but you can get licensed through these classes and also you get a break on your insurance if you do that mm -hmm. so most people will go and take a, a class that's the motorcycle safety foundation class mm -hmm. uh, and it's given at various places all through the state but then you do that and that gives you the basics right to of how to function and how to ride your motorcycle. But again, it is just the basics, mm -hmm. right? And then hopefully you'll have some people that can help you along the way after that to, uh, said, get better. Um, there's a gentleman that I go to. His name is Ken Condon, and uh, he has been riding for... 40 plus years and he's been a trainer for many of those years okay. and he's written for different magazines like motorcyclist and motorcycle consumer news he was their safety right writer and so uh, i go to him right for training more advanced training mm -hmm. so i've i've done several things with him but in every state, there is, are things like those that you can go to and pick up some advanced training. There are parking lots classes that you can take. There's on-road classes you can take. Yeah. So, um, so it is accessible, but do it the right way. Yeah, do it the right way. I mean, it. Un unfortunately, a lot of people don't. You know, they just get on the bike and they think that, oh, that's all I need to do. You know, I've been, I've been riding. Yeah, I've been riding, driving a car for, you know, 40, 50 years. You know, yeah, this is this is a piece of cake. And then they, they also tend to get on the bike without the proper gear. And again, which is their choice. Right. You know, I don't want to take that choice away from them. But 
You know, if I, you, you see, we've all seen the guy in shorts and a t-shirt riding yeah, along, exactly. and you're thinking to yourself, okay, that's one slip away from having no skin. Exactly. Yeah, so it's it's their skin, but you know, <laughs> good luck to them, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, do you have any uh, stories from the road that uh, that you've accumulated over time? Oh, I probably got tons of them, uh, both good and bad. I bet. Um, let's see. I, one story that just comes to mind, this is kind of a bad one, on, but it's about overcoming adversity. I think. Yeah, please. So, yeah. Um, we, Kathy and I were riding down to a rally. I think the rally was in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So on the way down, we decided to ride some of the great roads, uh, they're all named after reptiles. Right? <laughs> the, the snake, snake yeah. right, or the, the tail of the dragon. So we were we were down to ride the tail of the dragon, and there was a couple of other guys who uh, who joined us and to go do this ride. And so we pulled into this place called Deals Gap, and uh, there's a store and everything there. And so Kathy said, "Yep." Yeah, We'll just take all the gear off the bike. I'll stay here, and you guys can go and ride up the road and come back. I oh, that's awesome, right? Yeah. Then I don't have to worry about her, you know, on the back. So uh, while you're the road, on the tail of the dragon, exactly. So and there's <laughs> 219 curves and 11 yeah. miles, you know. And so, so I I look at the other two guys and I say, uh, so who's going to lead? And they both pointed to me. I'm like, I said, okay. <laughs> I said, so um, all right. Well, just let you know. Everybody rides their own ride, right? If you can't keep up, don't keep up. If you need to pass, fine, I'll pull over for you, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just, but everybody mm-hmm. rides their own ride. Mm-hmm. So we take off and start going, you know, and I, I'm a good rider. I'm not a expert, you know, super fast rider, but I'm probably somewhere in the middle there. So we start going down these roads and uh, keep going and just going. And I can see, you know, the... Uh, my one friend who's behind me, but I can't see the other guy in the mirror. So I think, all right, well, he, he dropped back. So we get all the way down to the end and pull over, wait a few minutes. And I look at uh, my other friend and I go, oh, like, uh-oh, this isn't good. And uh, he says, ah, no, he's probably okay. He's uh, just probably, you know, you know, turned around, sure. and went back or something like that. Like, I don't know. So we head back. This time I let my friend lead and, you know, I followed him. But we get almost all the way back, and somebody's flagging us down like this, you know, waving their arms and so forth. And I'm like, oh, boy. So we pull over, and sure enough, there's our third buddy lying in the road. Oh, man. (laughs) And uh, he's been there for – it it takes about 15 minutes to do the run, so it's – he's probably been there for about a half an hour. So on the second turn from Deals Gap, he lost it and went down. He he missed the corner. So, but you know, you're out in front and you're you cannot see back there, right? right? So, um, luckily for him, the people following us were EMTs, a husband and a wife, a nurse and an EMT who were in their truck. And this seems to be the way it works out more that often than not. Incredible. It always amazes me. But they pulled over. They take care of him. He was conscious and everything. He ended up having, um, I think, a broken hand and a couple of broken ribs and some bruises and things. <laughs> Pretty like major. That. Yeah. But, yeah. But um, we then sat there and waited for the first the sheriff to show up who wasn't a very nice person. Mm-hmm. He was very perturbed with <laughs> sure, motorcycles on the tail of the dragon. Yeah. yeah. 
but then finally the wrecker came and then the ambulance came and so uh then we <laughs> i had to go back and get kathy put all the gear back on the bike and she's like what happened and i'm like yeah well you know <laughs> This guy went down. She's like, she's. I had a feeling, you know, my wife. Yes, yeah. Right. So, so we got her back on the bike. Uh, you know, went up there, and then we followed the ambulance into uh, the the town, uh, St. Mary's, and uh, or Marysville, excuse me. And uh, then you know, got him out of the hospital and so forth. And uh, so then uh, that of course is blowing up our trip plans. But so we have to say, okay, well, we have to deal with this, right? So you get on the phone and you make a phone call or two and you cancel a reservation or what have you. It's no big deal. Uh, but then we've got to somehow we've got to get this guy back home, right? So injured the way he is, yeah, yeah. exactly. So you know he's he's released from the hospital and uh, we ended up getting in a hotel room and then we have to book him a flight. So we got all that done and then we got him on the plane the next morning so that we could then continue on our trip. So I actually did a video on all of this and um, just saying that, you know, when bad things happen, you just have to deal with them. It's just, yeah, it's just the way that it is. And uh, you don't get upset about it. You just deal with it. Move on. It's a great point. It's actually transferable to life in general. You know, what, what, you know, that tale of the dragon, I've seen videos of people doing that ride. And I'm always stunned, you know, the crotch rockets. I don't, that's yeah. what I call them. I don't know what you guys call them. Um, but those ninjas and stuff, they, they take that, those turns at insane speeds. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it, it leaves, that's the part of this, the tail of the dragon that always, I always say to myself and cynical people like that don't ride will say, well, they, they get what's coming to them. You know, I guess there's an element of that in any dangerous pursuit. Right. But, yeah. but your point is well taken. Here's this like, a great trip. And it's suddenly interrupted on the second turn. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. And uh, Craig was referring to his wife, Kathy Ripley Green, who is a medium and a really, really good medium. Do you ever say to her, you know, could you speak up when you have those feelings? Or <laughs> what happens to you guys well, when, when she does have those feelings? Uh, most of the time she tells me about them. But uh, every time I go on a trip, she always says, okay. Let me ask my spirit guides here uh, what's going to happen. And she usually tells me, okay, you're going to have some little problem or yeah. what have you. Most of the time she's right. Yeah. Um, but she always tells me, at least so far anyway, that, you know, you're, you're going to be fine and sure. you're going to make it home and sure. what have you. You know, in the spirit of full disclosure, and I, I don't want to talk about this for too long if you don't, but um, Kathy certainly did on our podcast. Um, Kathy had a horrific accident herself uh craig's wife and um it's something that you still struggle with i know to this day and um so you're someone that really can can walk the walk and talk the talk about all aspects of motorcycling including the dangers and bad things do happen to good people and bad things do happen to people that are that are doing the right thing it's just part of life right right yeah i mean Mm -hmm. i i have had a motorcycle accident myself Mm -hmm. um back when i was younger um when i was riding first time and um i'm traveling along and again this is when i was being an idiot too i i I, yeah you acknowledge that yeah right and i I say that um you know you need to learn to do it the right way and that's because i did not do it the right way the first time right i i got a bike and i learned from my friends who had no idea what they were doing right and so i had no idea what i was doing right and and i guess that's fine most of the time right but then when something bad happens now how do you handle it Right. And so I had a, a woman turn in front of me. We're traveling down a highway. Right. She's in the right-hand lane. I'm in the left-hand lane. And she takes a left-hand turn from the right-hand lane in front of me. Mm. 
right? So I have now a couple of car lengths to stop. Right now, knowing what I know now, how to handle my bike, could I have stopped the motorcycle? I don't know, maybe, right? Uh, but back then, I had no idea what I was doing. And I was just thinking about this the other day. I said, I don't think I touched the brakes on my bike at all. Really? Right? Uh, the only thing I could think of, which is not something you typically want to do, is to lay the bike down. So that's what I did. And the bike ends up jamming underneath the bottom of her car. I flew off the car, bounced off a couple of cars. There was a car in the medium. So I bounced off of that one, bounced off the hood of her car, ended up on the other side of her car, sitting up uh, in the street, um, Luckily, still alive, um, I had a separated shoulder sticking up here uh, and a few cuts and bruises. But, um, and uh, I had been riding all day long, and it was very hot that day. We're traveling through Mississippi, and I had just taken my shirt and my helmet oh. off. So I had no shirt on and no helmet because I was planning on just riding up to the road, getting something to eat. Right, And then this happened. Uh, looking back, it's quite a lesson. Yeah. Well, <laughs> me. listen, I have a dear friend who just broke his neck uh, driving his pickup truck, a Chevy Silverado, and got sideswiped by a semi. Uh, it happens, right? Um, uh, same, you know, but it's so interesting. You put in all these miles and even at that young age, and now you're just running out to grab a sandwich or something and bang, right. and it happens. There's a lesson in that too, right? Is be prepared all the time. Exactly. Right. I mean, that, that's when this kind of thing happens. It's usually not when you're racing around corners and things. Yeah. It's like, it's usually at an intersection, yep. somebody does something stupid and again, you're not prepared for yeah. it. And, uh, wow. Yeah. Any big trips planned? Uh, yeah, I'm planning on going back to Alaska next year. Cool. So, um, going to do some different things. Uh, last time we just rode up to Fairbanks and Anchorage, but this time I'm thinking of maybe going up and seeing some of the cities, uh, on the Western coast yep. you know, of, uh, of Alaska, like, uh, Skagway, mm. Haines, mm-hmm. um, Prince Rupert, that's in Canada, but uh, this is supposed to be all beautiful places. So, Now, do you ship the bike out? No. Ride from here. I love it. <laughs> I love it. But that's not always the case, right? I mean, a lot of people do ship. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people do. The last time I went to Alaska, I rode all the way, but my two buddies couldn't get the time off of work. They could only get three weeks off. So they shipped their bikes to Boise, Idaho, and then flew out. And so then I rode out and met them. How many days to get out to Alaska? Uh, well, our whole trip, my whole trip was five weeks. Okay. And, right. but how so many I, days from, from coast to coast? Like when you're just on the road getting there? Uh, well, it depends upon, I guess, how many miles you want to do every day, okay, but yeah. so you can do it. To do the you, math. Yeah. You can do it if you wanted to in like five days or something yeah. like that. But yeah. that's a lot of miles yeah. every day. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, just to get to Boise, I was doing, um, 570, 580 miles averaging, you know, for five days to get to Boise, Idaho. It's 2,500 wow. miles or a little over that. So. I imagine with um, motorcycling, you have to be also alert in a different way than when you're in the cage, as you said. Right. Absolutely. So you're using different muscle groups. It's got to be a different, you must need to be conditioned to do that, right? Over time. Yeah. I mean, it's, motorcycling is in a really hard physical activity mm-hmm. unless you're riding off road for Different, example though. then it's yeah. then it gets hard but uh, you still are using muscles you're using your core muscles you know um, your upper body you know to balance that bike mm-hmm. so uh you know it burns a few calories you know along the way 
You said uh, earlier, Craig, and I'm hopping around in here a little bit, but I found this interesting. I think I heard you say that you used to not like solo travel. Yeah, right? we were talking before we started here. Yeah, yeah. but you love it now. Yeah, um, I, I used to do pretty much all of my rides with groups of friends, yeah. you know, typically small groups of friends. Um, and I still do that, and I still do enjoy doing that. But then I started doing a lot more solo stuff, like on the trip to Alaska in 2017, I was by myself for a week, and then I was with friends for three weeks, and then I was by myself for another week yeah. coming home. And I started to realize that that alone time was the magical time. Um, you get, at least for me, and I, I know that a lot of other bikers get this way as well, you get more philosophical when you're by yourself. You don't have to think about anybody else, right? All you do is think about yourself and you're on the road and for me anyway you start contemplating the meaning of life and you know all kinds of things like that so, feels like a meditation in a it way. is it is very much a meditation yeah. yeah and then you you just get off when you feel like it like it's just I'm okay i'm getting off here to get a sandwich you don't have to check in and exactly. see what other people you, you, are doing and, yeah you get up when you yeah. want to get up yeah you you know get started when you want to get started you stop when you want to get started you know, stop, you go see this if you want to see it. You don't have to ask anybody else. I love so it, man. It's great. I love it. Well, it's Craig Ripley. The name of the website is livingoffthe-slab.com, the YouTube channel, Living Off the Slab as well. And on the website, you can subscribe at three different levels. Uh, there's a free membership, there's a paid membership at one level, and a paid membership at a second level. Yeah. And importantly, there are Zoom meetings monthly. Highly encourage you to get over if you're a motorcycle enthusiast or if you're like me and you just like really good content, YouTube content, and you get to know Craig through these videos, as you've just heard, a tremendously engaging person who's relaxed and frankly kind of is got a persona that, that I've always fantasize that I could adopt one day, which is to hop on the bike, have a wild-ass looking beard, and just go. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and maybe have a good cigar along the way. There and, you go. And you know what? you got a pretty good recipe for life. And so thanks again for coming in today, Craig. It has just been a great conversation. For my guest, Craig Ripley, my name's Jim Derrick, saying thanks for listening to Chapters, and I will see you next week. Next week.